out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 96th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Hosted by me, your buddy Mac B. The Wolf, and I will be joined as usual by my partner in crime on the U.S. East Coast, Gary Action Jackson. But this is a super, super, super special podcast for us today, guys, because we finally are realizing a dream that we kind of put forth during our third episode, which was on Pink Floyd's Delicate Sound of Thunder movie and soundtrack album, and that's that we're going to have on Guy Pratt, who was bass player in Pink Floyd for many years. He's an amazing session man. He's had an incredible career. And Gary Kemp, probably best known for his days as the lead songwriter, guitar player in Spando Ballet. But at the moment, not only are they hosts of their own amazing podcast, The Rock on Tours, where they have legends on all the time. At the time of recording this, they just had on Julian Lennon, and it was a wonderful show. Just so glad to hear Julian is back in action. But they're currently in Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets, where Nick obviously the famous Pink Floyd drummer, is taking out a band to play all of Pink Floyd's big hits pre-Dark Side of the Moon, so the Sid Barrett days, and when they were finding their footing before they became the huge juggernaut that they were throughout the 70s and the 80s and beyond. Wanted to have them on for so long, and we're happy to be able to have them on now as they are touring the U.S. and as part of the Pantheon family, of podcasts. And we always like to shout out, look, Pantheon is about a hundred different shows, something in there for everyone. It's not just about rock and roll. Rock and roll is important to us. And we always like to give shout outs to the folks that we've had on our show or that uh, we've been on their show, including Christy Alexander Hallberg of Rock is Lit, including Jay Scott at the Hook Rocks out of Chicago, uh, including Tom and Zeus, the Kiss Kings of the Shout It Out Loud cast. I hope those guys are doing great. And, of course, Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks. Of course, Paul was uh, very handy in helping us get our last episode out on The Police's Ghost in the Machine, and I hope you guys had a chance uh, to listen to that one. But back to Pantheon, we are sponsoring Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets tour, and if you want to win front row tickets or a special VIP experience to see them, go to PantheonPodcast.com backslash Nick Mason, and you can enter to win front row seats and a lot of very special goodies at the show. Not to mention, if you go to the Indianapolis show on Friday the 14th of October, you can get to meet us. And a lot of our fellow Pantheon podcast brethren and sisters are going to be out at these shows, uh, but we'll be at the one in Indianapolis, and we hope you come by to say hello to us there. So get your tickets wherever you get them. You can get on the Saucer Full of Secrets website. I know Ticketmaster has some of the dates, not all of them, but you can get that Indianapolis show on Ticketmaster. Now, before we get into the business of Gary and Guy, we have to, as always, pay tribute to our amazing sponsors at rarevinyl.com. Rare Vinyl ships all over the world. They've been doing it for almost 40 years, folks, and they have over a quarter of a million items in their inventory. It's unbelievable. Five-star rating on Trustpilot. So anything you're looking for, maybe it's a rare Pink Floyd album, maybe it's an old tour program, whatever it is, go to rarevinyl.com or eil.com, use the code PODCAST, and you can get 10% off not only your first order, but every order you ever make through rarevinyl.com. You want rare picture discs, you want a 78, you're into classical music, you want a DVD, whatever it is. They've got it, they've got it in great condition, they can get it to you in great condition. So go to rarevinyl.com for all your vintage vinyl needs. So with that, back to Gary and Guy. We wanted to have these guys on for so long. Our third show ever was on 
Delicate Sound of Thunder, which of course Guy was a very big part of. And I think it was our 69th show that we did on a momentary lapse of reason. Now those albums won't be what they're focusing on on this tour. Uh, but if you're Pink Floyd fans, you might want to give those a listen. What you'll definitely want to listen to is our 75th episode, which is my review of The Saucer Full of Secrets live from Royal Albert Hall this past spring, where I basically sat on the stage and got to sit right near Gary, watch him fiddle with all his pedals and toys and stuff, and we talked to him a little bit about that. But I think you're going to be knocked out by some of the little insights that Gary and Guy give us here. Some of it, you know, kind of emotional. Some of it, they're just having fun. If you know their show, The Rock on Tours, you know they're fun. You know, they're having fun. It's a conversation and they're laughing. They're having a good time. It's not all very serious. And even though we talk about some serious stuff on our little episode here, they make it light. They're real pros, and they're a lot of fun to talk to. And we probably could have spoken to them for hours and hours if they would have given us the time. But we're happy to have the time that we did. So why don't you relax and kick back, listen to us. Gary and I are going to give you a little preamble, and then it's going to be all about Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt of The Rock on Tours and Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets right here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So how cool is this, Jackson? I mean, think about this. We've been doing this almost two years now, right? Mm -hmm. Our little podcast that we love, talking about the bands, the music, the albums that we really grew up with. And when we first started, we, we didn't really know what the heck we were doing. And it's not like we'd listen to podcasts for many years and be like, you know, we, we should probably <laughs> give that a shot. It was just out of COVID. We started talking like once a week just to catch up. We started talking about records like, you know what? This is a show. We should... We should do this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I know what you're going to say. What, did, you, did you ever think we could actually get this done, have well, somebody like this on? Well, so, all right, so, so going back, so the first show was about Eddie Van Halen because he had recently passed away. Right. So we like, okay, that's an obvious tribute 
Eddie Van Halen. The next show, we weren't quite sure what to do. So we kind of did a year in review of rock and talk about folks who had died and albums that had come out that year that we liked, which is kind of ridiculous for your second show. <laughs> Even though it's kind of towards the end of the year, it's kind of silly that we would have done that. So then for the third show, I'm like, all right, we, we got to do a record that I know we both like, that we know backwards and forwards, that was mm -hmm. important to us, and that we can go really in depth on. And we chose Delicate Sound of Thunder, both the movie and the album, because we both had it. And I had received, I think that Santa Claus had brought me this big, huge, beautiful, enormous, ridiculously oh, the expensive, yes, the, <laughs> the, the Pink Floyd, the latter years, 20 disc set, <laughs> which included the remastered film and the the record with bonus tracks that uh, from the original concert that they left off the albums because they couldn't put that many out there and i remember we were talking about guy pratt during that show and, and talking mm -hmm. about how he has a cool show the rock on tours that people should listen to and he's a funny guy and he's a bit of an actor and uh it's like yeah maybe we could have him on one day ah oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know and here we are it's about to happen and I think to your point, we didn't know what we were doing right off the bat. So we were kind of just fumbling around. But I think I think we definitely, whether consciously or unconsciously, modeled ourselves a lot like the Rock Hunters just because of, you know, trying to keep it light, trying to keep it fun. But obviously the those two guys, Gary and Guy, because they're in they're so into the music scene, you know, mm -hmm. with all the different they can get heavy hitters that we can't. So to your point, yeah, to think that we can actually talk to these guys live and in the flat well not live but live but not in the flesh over zoom yeah i if you would have told me that on the first recording i would have said nah you're out of your mind this is just going to be a little deal from now on right yeah we'll see how long mac wants to do this <laughs> he'll, he'll get bored eventually and <laughs> and and we'll he'll, you know and then eventually we'll stop and we'll have to go do something else uh, but it was that third show where i started to feel like oh now this is working this is something mm -hmm. we can do just talking about Eddie Van Halen was fun. We really didn't know what to do yet. We didn't understand the technology and all that. The year in view was maybe not a great idea. But when we did Delicate Sound of Thunder, then I knew, ooh, okay, yeah, we're, we're actually on to something here. Because talking about stuff that we love and we shared quite a bit of, and there's so much to talk about in the history of Pink Floyd, in that incarnation of the band, and what that period of the band really meant to you and me growing up. Right. And I mean, to further on that point, I mean, that that record was one of the first ones that I ever picked up. That was mine. It wasn't one that had come out 10, 20 years ago. I mean, it right. was brand new. And the fact that I had the the I think it was a tape and the DVD. It mm -hmm. was just, I mean, I remember I watched that DVD hundreds of times. No, you had the VHS, man. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that cool. I don't think even DVD was around back then. No, because when yeah, I was, was in college, I eventually had a Laserdisc player. Right. That was okay. the height of technology in the yeah. early 90s. DVDs weren't even around yet. Right, right. You're absolutely right. It was the VHS. You had to rewind it. You had to be real careful. You didn't mess it up. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I just remember watching that over and over again. And there were, and I thought it was cool because there were a couple of extra tracks on the on the VHS that were not on the tape that's right record or whatever mm -hmm. else you had so yeah and and to see how they just the production and the musicianship at that level was it was amazing to watch them because they had so many people on the stage moving in and out and they you know, did trying, yeah it was just it was just amazing to watch and the sound was fantastic and I think we pointed out too 
that was the first time you had really gotten like a Pink Floyd greatest hits record. Yeah, no, that's that's true because uh, I guess they'd done a one called Works, I think it was, but that wasn't like comprehensive. Mm-hmm. And then around the time they did a collection of great dance songs, which was maybe like six songs. I mean, it was <laughs> it was not an incredible collection by any means, you know, and Echoes didn't come out, I, I think, until after 2000, which was like the very best of Pink Floyd, a double right. disc. So this really was, yeah, you're right, in one collection, although it's live, uh, a great collection of Pink Floyd classics and, and the new stuff that had come off. Of, uh, of a momentary lapse of reason, which again, I know it's derided by some Pink Floyd fans. And Guy didn't play on that. I think Tony Levin did the did the bass work mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. But Guy was brilliant live. And it was like, who is this mop top kid with the bass screaming, you better run, you know, with, with <laughs> David Gilmore at the end of the show, you know, running in place, you know, pounding that bass. You know, he was having a blast on that tour. You can tell. I think that was that was really what came through on the on the the video portion of it is how everybody it looked like they were having a great time and I think probably hopefully we'll get to we'll get into this with him for guy that kind of you're split in between two worlds where it's like you can't you're having a great time playing and it's a gig but also this is one of the I mean this is a band that you love and you grew up with and I'm sure at some point in time he's standing on the stage saying I can't believe this is actually happening. And see, I feel like that might be happening with Gary now, because Guy has played in mm-hmm. Pink Floyd. He played with David for a long time. Uh, but to get the invite to come do this with Nick and his buddy Guy, Lee Harris and Don Beckham, that's pretty cool. And, and you know, he, he's kind of always been in Spandau. Of course, he's he's done, uh, he has a nice little acting career. When we were in college, when we were living together, the bodyguard came out and he played Cy, Whitney's manager. Uh, that's and right. That's right. I okay. knew I knew him, but uh-huh. I didn't know where because we didn't have the internet. And I could say who played Cy in the Bodyguard, and right. you know, it kind of kind of dawned on me later. Oh God, that was Gary Kemp. That's exactly who that was. <laughs> uh, and he and his brother Martin are uh, are fine actors. Uh, and Martin's uh, had a run on a show called The East Enders in uh, in the UK, which is very popular. But yeah, so kind of that dichotomy there of Gary kind of hit it big with Spando. In the early 80s, Guy had, you know, small gigs and, and uh, did a lot of session work. And I think he opened for David Bowie at some point, which has got to be uh, a crawl for Gary, just because yeah. Gary's such a huge David Bowie fan. But then I, eventually, I think he opened for David Gilmore. Remember when we had Chris Slade on and he played for David Gilmore on that 1984 tour? Mm-hmm. I think Guy opened for Gilmore okay. on some of those dates. And that's how he got to know him. That's how he eventually got into the fold. Hi, this is Jeff Downs, you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Ah, there's Mr. Guy Pratt. <laughs> Hello there. Hang on a How second. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Hang on. Hey. Hello, Gary. One, two, one, two. There we go. Oh, yeah. How are you? Very well. well. Hey, I'm Mac. That's Gary Action Jackson from the East Coast. Welcome to the Ugly American Werewolf in Hello. London. <laughs> 
Thank, Thank you. you. We know you from social media, don't we? Uh, a little bit, yes. Yes. Uh, you were kind enough to follow me and, and give us some likes because I was lucky enough to see you all play at Royal Albert Hall earlier this year. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, wow. Did you my, enjoy it? Uh, well, it was my first ever show at Royal Albert Hall. Yes, it was amazing. Oh. It, Gary, I basically sat on stage. If I had taken eight steps from my seat, I would have been right in your face. Now, I never would have made it that far. But I could have come over and shaken your hand because I was I that close. I love that. <laughs> I bet I, you, you know would what? I actually think I recognize you. <laughs> I'm not kidding, but but what what was this? What was it like that experience? Of being you want to go missing that night? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the white beard is easy to pick up, right? You're looking for pretty girls, and you see this white beard in gigs. front of you. Not, not a one of our kids. <laughs> I, I even said that to the security guy. I'm like, I'm 48 years old. I'm one of the youngest guys here. <laughs> Uh, no, it was a brilliant night. It was so much fun. Uh, and to see your rig right there, Gary, with all the many little toys that you have, not just at your feet, but in your hands. You've got this lever. You have this digital pick laser thing that I couldn't even make out what that was. I'm like, wow, look at the sound that Kemp can get there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, this is my chance, isn't it? Just to let rip, get out of my system, all the all the shit that I've been wanting to do for years, but so restrained in my little uh, Spandau Ballet world. Uh, no, I mean I'm just like having fun. I think you know it's all part of the theatre as well, isn't it? You know, and and uh, it's a quite a pedal heavy band, isn't it, guy? Effects it heavy, quite pedal heavy. Yeah, we have, yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, quite frankly, if Gary and Lee get talking about pedals, it's mm -hmm. um, time time <laughs> stops. It actually goes backwards. You can actually see, you, if you want to see any images of them, there's this thing called Google Earth. And, and <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's the Great Wall of China, your guitar, your rig, and then what? The Indian Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, we'll look at, we, we've got four hours of questions, but we don't have that much time. So we want to jump in a little bit here. I want to compliment you on the Rock on Tours. It's a fantastic show. You know, you, you two do a great job. And it's not just about the fact that you get great guests on who you know and put at ease because they know you're not some wonk reporter. They know you know what it's like to be a musician. But it's the camaraderie that you two have. It really comes through on the show. Yeah, and that's the hardest part. Well, how, how did you get <laughs> to be such lie. good friends? I mean, when did your friendship kind of begin? And other than COVID, what was the inspiration to, to start the show? Uh, the inspiration starts. I mean, Gary and I—we've been best mates for since the nineties. Um, we knew each other. We were sort of nodding acquaintances in the eighties, um, okay. uh, and then the friendship started when I was drafted in to help Gary with his first solo album. And and then we wrote two musicals together, and we're always looking things to do together. But the Rock on Tours came about from us sitting on the tour bus in the Saucers, and I'd got the box set of the old Grey Whistle Test DVDs. Oh. So we used to watch all this stuff from the 70s. And of course, Nick would know the people we were talking about. And it was such great chat. And then, and, and I think it was, you know, Gary suggested, why don't we do something with this? I think, our, you know, we've, we've always had quite good banter. I think Guy and I have a slightly different from most of the rock fraternity people we know, uh, David Coverdale aside, probably, in the, our, our love of theatre. Exactly. And, 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 you know, Guy's dad was an actor, you know, oh, I'm yes. an actor. You know, yeah. I think there's something, and we have a very kind of, we have quite a camp kind of uh, banter together, don't we, guys? Yeah, yeah well, show busy, show busy rather than more lovey than rock god, really. And and <laughs> and so I think we've got, we've always been drawn to each other's humor. To, yeah. to me, the really the cool part about the show is is how is how legitimate you guys are. Like the one that st stands out for me is the John Taylor interview. 
and you were, he was talking back and forth and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a party. And then, you know, he said, Gary, you were, you were there too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I was there, you know, talking to so-and-so. And it's like, wow, the, not, not just, not just people interviewing them, but like it, the interaction, it's more of a conversation than an interview. Yeah. That's what we hoped when we put the idea yeah. together. Well, cause the, yeah. Cause all, that's all, I mean, that's all we can do. We're not journalists. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, we can, we can, and, and don't want to be. Frankly. I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like you're it's like you're looking forward to to listening to a conversation between people who are friends, both both the two of you yeah. and then your guests. But I mean sometimes, you know, they're also our heroes, which um mm-hmm. you yeah. know, we have to get over. We we've uh, we've got Noddy Holder coming up this week from Slade. Oh, you know, that was the first band I first band I ever saw alive. You know, some of the first records I ever bought was Slade. That's I amazing. mean, they made made me want to be on stage. So so doing that. But you know, guys, guys' entire life is play is about playing with your heroes, isn't it, guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. So 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 what's um, that like just but, real quick, like you guys getting to play with with Nick and these songs that I, I would imagine you grew up loving it's amazing because um, i've you know i played with i mean because i've when we started this band i'd only ever played two of these songs with him right okay you know despite having played with him for you so so to me what's great is despite having all this history with nick and all this history with pink floyd and david and everything this is still a new band mm-hmm. you know so and the fact that so few people have played these songs is gives it a i think a freshness and a kind of punkiness that um, you know, that is missing for, from so much of today's heritage rock. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we move, we move on stage, which makes us look very different from anything any, anyone else in Pink Floyd have ever done. <laughs> and we chat. No, but it's it's because it's you know, Pink Floyd were a pop group, and this is Pink Floyd as a pop group before it was you know before it was this vast faceless obelisk that was so important. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it, right. it's um, like I said, the lovely thing is that you know because it's especially the comparison with, between you know people say, oh, Gary Kemp span our ballet but the point is all great music movements all started with with a club and a band in a club right you know and and that's that's like the ufo club and pink floyd and then it's you know what and then clubs and then it's Spanner Ballet and the Blitz. So everyone comes from a similar place. The, the nub is the same thing. And yeah, so I think what's the... lovely for us, yeah, go on. I was just going to say what's lovely for us is that I look back at Nick and I see that kid on stage at the UFO and that reconnects yeah. me with me on stage at the Open Anchor. And it's Gary on stage at the Scala or whatever, you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. the thing. It's a kind of. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I think what, but what's, what's really joyful and uh, makes makes this whole tour much more interesting is when we're, we're on stage we we play numbers like bike and emily play and and vegetable man you know this yeah. Sid barrett wrote so there's a lot of humor and and whimsy and that sort of psychedelia obviously but at the same time we'll we'll take on serious work like atom heart mother and and obviously echoes which uh, you know it has has a much more weighty um yeah feel historic feel about it so and i think that that combination of dark and and, and light that that the this, this show seems to be about it's not like that much dark it's all lit isn't it <laughs> yeah. no one's ever turned the lights off but it, i think is what you know gives the show something unique in in this yeah. genre well, so well yeah the- and it's a great night out it's a full because it's a full hit it, it's kind of it's 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 you know you you, you hit, it's the evolution of rock music because it's kind of by the by the time you get to echoes that's kind of where it went you know and we've been using that sort of blueprint ever since so it's that's the lovely thing of, of going from jangly to you know whether, yeah. whatever yeah. yeah well there was one special moment from the show that i, I want to mention really quickly Gary, you sing Arnold Lane. Not to give away any spoilers, but you sing Arnold Lane, which is one of Pink Floyd's very first big hits. Afterwards, Guy kind of reminded you, you know something, Gary? The last time that was played on this stage, 
I was here. He was with David and your hero and so many people's hero, David Bowie, came out and sang it that night. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was kind of his last public performance. It was his last ever public performance. Yeah, it was his second from last ever gig. But the last one was some charity thing in New York. So that doesn't count. I've decided. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know if it was the last time it was played on that stage. But it's yeah, that's the weird. I mean, it might well be the only two times that song's ever been played on that stage. And I've done both of them. So um, well done. Did Pink, uh, Pink uh, Floyd, yeah, did Pink, Pink Floyd uh, with Sid never played the album, of course. So, uh, games for me. Games for me. So of course they did. We should yeah. know that. I was just yeah. testing you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, but that must have been special for you, Gary, afterwards, because you said, gosh, I'm glad you didn't tell me that beforehand. But looking back now, that must be a special moment. For yeah, and there's also another Bowie connection, obviously, because um, See Emily Play, which I also think we do, we do in the set, the first time I ever heard that was Bowie's version. It's still wow. the, the, the version that, that, you know, that I always thought that was a Bowie song. Well, I kind of didn't, but, you know, it felt like a Bowie song. And then when I heard the original later on, when Dark Side of the Moon came, comes out and, and I and I buy relics and I hear it, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 it took me a while to get my head around the original version. So I think, you know, that influence of, of the pinups uh, uh, arrangement, it, it still stays with me a bit. And I think I throw a few of those riffs of Mick Ronson's into the mix. You do, but I'd like to have one thing here, which is what was interesting when Bowie turned up to do that song is, is you know, because um, David Gilmore has always said half jokingly, no Sid, no Bowie. Mm. And and what was interesting was when, when David Bowie turned up to do that song, he knew it inside, outside, upside. It was like he'd been singing it every night of his life. And in fact, he did something in it, which made me completely reappraise the song. When he when he sings the line, two to no, two to no, and he held up his fingers like that in the in the peace sign, but that means two yes. people, which suddenly makes you think, two to no, I'd never really thought about that line. Of course, it's basically saying that the protagonist knows it does the same sort of thing as Arnold. The point, I've actually worked out a way to play that on the bass where I can actually do that as well when I'm singing it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the nice thing about this show is, and I haven't gotten to see it yet, but Mac and I will be in Indianapolis for the show, so I'm, cool. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I can't wait. We had the opportunity a little while ago to talk to Steve Hackett about doing uh -huh. both Seconds Outs and Foxtrot. And the really cool thing about this show is that I don't want to say that you clear out the suckers, but you clear out the suckers because it's it's not the big – like if you were a casual Pink Floyd fan, you're not going to know this stuff. So it's really for the hardcore fans. Then enjoy it, though. Still oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. But, but my point but is people that – off. Yeah, well, no, no, no. no. What I'm saying is that – it gives you it gives the opportunity for somebody who's never heard these songs played live to go and hear them and, and yeah. experience it where where it just didn't it wouldn't have happened before and that was the same thing with Steve you know getting to hear Foxtrot start to finish is something that Genesis is not going to do and, and yeah. so that's the great yeah. thing is that well, some of some of these songs uh, Nick hasn't even played live you know as a right. vegetable yeah. man was never played live you know wow uh, some of those see Emily play. No, wow. that's exactly right. Yeah. Did not know that because Sid hated it. Did he really? Yeah, because it, it was basically a right toward. I mean, if you look at it, it's the most sort of you know straight ahead pop song they ever wrote. You know, I mean Arnold Lane you could say is similar, but it's a. Uh, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's a kind of it's a template almost for you know for a great sixties pop song. I think the difference in this in this show because we obviously we toured here back in two thousand nineteen with the first uh, show we had uh, with Nick and but the the real difference here is yeah it's come out on DVD as well and record, uh, the roundhouse shows but the real difference is obviously introducing echoes into the mix and that did it took a lot of thought a bit of daring 
uh, there were conversations had about, you know, should we take this on? You know, it was a little bit more purple, as they say, you know, those lines in Shakespeare, like to be or not to be, it's a, called a purple line. It, for an actor, it's quite intimidating because so mm. many people have, have got opinions about it. And I think introducing Echoes into the mix was one of those tracks. And we decided to, to, to ignore, completely ignore the version David did, with Guy, which Guy played on, go back to, the, to metal, have a listen to that, find the sort of pastoral element of that track and, and approach it in, 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 a, in a much, you know, a way that was contemporary to, to, to you know, metal album. I, I'm, it's one of the highlights of the show, one of the highlights of my musical career playing that song. Wow. Yeah. As my favourite description of Echoes was someone said it's, it's worth pointing out that in the space of one song they invent U2, Radiohead and ambient music. All the same yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well now is this your all's idea to say, Nick, we have to play Vegetable Man or we have to include Echoes on the next tour. Was that you all kind of driving that? No, there's always been it's always been kind of total agreement on things. I mean, e Echoes was tricky for me. I had to, and also to be on the, the apart from, you know, various family issues to do with it, but it, the, just the fact that mm. it's just singing it. It's taking on this is the it, this is we're in the age of the great Floyd vocal, the great David Rick, you know lead and it's that was very very daunting but i gotta say we got this yeah. you know uh, one of the most emotional nights i think for you guy and and i for me to witness as well and it was extremely beautiful guy guy sing, sings rick's part on echoes and he mm. sings lots of rick's mm. songs but he does on echoes and um and the night your son your son who's you know rick's yeah. grandson, grandson came yeah to, to see the show and you know he, I can, I think it's fair, okay to say, you know, he was say, really emotional. He was, he was in tears. He was in tears. No, he was sobbing. Yeah, and uh, and that was an incredible uh, yeah. thing to see. Yeah, that was. Yeah. So and you were like, well, you know, <coughs> so I cry now. <clears throat> oh, dude, dude. Nah. <laughs> anyway, but but I think it, it hammers home the fact that for so many people, this band was so huge so huge in in their just development and growing up and just loving hearing these songs over and over again i mean I, I remember when i was in high school you know i got into dark side of the moon i got into the wall and then you get the people who are like if you really want to have a good time you got to go back and hear the original stuff if you want to get a, a feel for the whole band and then you see wow this is the whole catalog it's just incredible yeah I mean, I, well bear in mind arnold lane to echoes is four years yeah, yeah. So, yeah it's hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah but it, had, it was a band with it's just, it's had uh, had three different frontmen as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know so that's true. Uh, and now, guy, you're out in center stage, right? I mean, it, you were—I guess you were kind of center stage in the Pink Floyd days, but there was a huge, enormous stage back then. Is it odd for? I mean, you seem to be like the musical director to me, the one who's bopping around the stage, smiling at everybody, making sure everybody's doing okay. If somebody hits maybe a sour note, you say, "All right, you okay back there? You know where you are." Is that your natural role, or is it? You know, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I've always, I've always, I mean, I don't always, if it seems appropriate, like with, like with Brian Ferry, I wouldn't do that. Right. You know, I just sit back. He never also, looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> he knows you're good. Number one. <laughs> I, I think yeah, Guy has no, a no, Guy has a Guy has a rather you know I mean it's 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 a relationship with with the drummer. It's always been a relationship yeah. between the bass player and the drummer, uh, and and whoever you're playing with, Guy, that's that's 
that's the middle of it. That's the that's the center of gravity, isn't it? And uh, and I think you know his relationship with Nick on stage is is yeah. There's a but lot of icons. So every, everyone, I know what you mean. Like generally, I've always had the thing because as a bass player, you're kind of the freest. You know, you got the like. Uh, I mean, in terms of, I can run around the stage and keep an eye on everyone. Uh, and I do like to do that. And th- and this was so. Nice. I mean, this is the sp- about probably the smallest band I've played in for years. <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. I'm six foot. Well, you're tall, you know, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, will you continue to do rock on tours on this tour and, and through yeah. 2023? Yeah, yeah. We, we did it. We just, you know, our European tour, which was insane, which was 60 shows in 29 countries in 90 days. And how many rock on tours did we get in Gary? Yeah, we, we did 12. We did 12 or something. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's good. You know, it, it takes our mind off things, you know, and it stops me from getting depressed. And, you know, it's it's no, we, 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 there's a it's lot. It's the only you know, time we talk know. to each other on the tour. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's as you guys know, you know, it takes it takes a lot of research if you're going to have someone on the show. You know, you want to know about their catalog and about everything they do. So I think True. it's a good break. Well, now you both come from, as we say, acting families. Your, your father, obviously, guy. You and your brother, Martin. Fantastic is the craze, by the way, Gary. Thank you. Let's say Guy Ritchie is casting his new film, and you know maybe he has some kind of heavy hitter, you know, in the, in the main kind of super heavy role, you know, maybe a Sting or you know somebody like that, and he needs a lead henchman to be his right hand man. Which of the two of you is being cast for that role? Me, a henchman. Uh, I don't think either of us. I think we'd both we'd hold the henchman's coat. Top lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, we got to act together, didn't we? Not that long ago, guy. Anyway, we 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 did a. There's a. a, You've forgotten already. He's forgotten. No, I haven't forgotten. I wouldn't really call it. That's very very generous of you to call it acting. Um, (laughs) Gary and his brother did this fantastic. I've got and if you can find it anywhere, it's amazing. thing called ah what's uh, all true the the kemp's all true and it's them gary and martin spoofing themselves as a documentary and and gary very very kindly got me yes a documentary and gary gave me a little non-speaking part as i won't give it away obviously because he knew if he didn't i'd never he'd never hear the end of it you were wonderful (laughs) darling you were wonderful um it's it's on the bbc if you can find any bbc it's it's on one of the old bbc i play it's bound to be on youtube anyway it's called kemp's all true and we are there together sharing a scene together yeah I think, uh, yeah, we're not really those henchmen for Guy Ritchie. Guy lives right <laughs> in the same street as me, by the way. Oh wow! Um, so he's more, he's more likely to uh, to tell me to uh, put my bins out than get me into one. <laughs> and put you in the picture. I got you. Take your bins in. Take your bins Take in. Take your love. bins in. Sorry, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll work on that gag. I'm on the hoof. <laughs> well, you're so kind to come on the show. We really appreciate it. Right. Thank you, I gentlemen. Thank you kindly. Have a great time tonight. Be safe out there, and hopefully, we get to say hi in Indianapolis. Thank you. Thank you Indeed. so much. All the very best. All the best. Bye. See ya. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Gents. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, this is Gary Kemp. And this is Guy Pratt. And you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. <laughs> well, how much fun was that, Jackson? That, that was good. I like that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's just intimidating because you want to, you want to be able to ask them questions that like not everybody asks, like just try and do something a little bit different, but yet still have it be relevant. Right. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was very cool. Very intimidating, but very cool. What are we supposed to say? Hey, guy, 
how hot was Rachel Fury, Durga McBroom, and Mashaun Taylor back in the day? You know, I mean, that's right. what we would have asked them 30 right. years ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, how, yeah, how awesome. <laughs> so, like, you guys like Pink Floyd, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it, the, the cool part for me was to, to see how, I mean, we didn't really get to talk about it a whole bunch, but you can tell that first and foremost, they are fans. They're fans of Nick, mm-hmm. they're fans of the music, they're fans of just being not themselves, but like the lives that they get to lead. And so right. that's really cool. Like they, 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 they seem like they're joyous in their, what they're doing, their pursuits. Yeah. And they've earned their place. Uh, right. They, they've earned the spot in this band, absolutely from all the hard work they've done over the years, but they don't take it for granted. They don't say, mm-hmm. well, it's not like I said, well, of course, Nick picked me. Who else the hell is he going to pick? Which is actually kind of a fair question, but he didn't have to, you know, so it just makes right. a lot of sense, you know, and, he and Gary are so close and, and good friends. They've written stuff together as they talked about, you know. So it's it's amazing that two such close friends get to do something special like this. But it's not just in their garage or in their basement. It's it's for the world. And I was, I was kind of thinking about that, too, because it's a grind to tour, especially in the United States. You got a lot of downtime getting from point A to point B. I mean, even if you're on a even if you're on a tour that is that has planes or whatever, I don't know what they're doing, but th- there's a lot of downtime. So to have that friendship and that camaraderie with the with uh, the band, um, and then they like I said, they get to do the show, their show on the road, mm-hmm. and it it all comes together. I'm sure that's got to make it a lot easier and a lot more friendly during those long stretches of nothing on the tour. Yeah, definitely. I, I got to believe you're right there. And, and they're on a pretty robust tour here. I mean, over yeah. the next six weeks or, or whatever it is. I mean, they're they're not letting a lot of grass grow under their feet in any particular city or, or venue or anything they're yeah. they're hitting it pretty hard and and i was just i was kind of thinking about that while we were talking to them like from where i live to atlanta is about five and a half hours of the most boring drive you're ever going to have <laughs> so it's it's just there's a lot of window time there's a lot of just like wow uh, what else can we do on this bus so yeah i think that that's the big thing that i think a lot of guys and i've heard this before from other people you don't really realize that until you get here how vast you know touring in europe is one thing i mean you can be in different countries in a matter of hours yeah. here you matter of hours you're still in the great state of georgia same, going same, yeah. from nowhere to nowhere yeah exactly yeah no <laughs> doubt about it so i'm excited for you to be able to see them play because you've you've never seen pink floyd period you've never seen any of the members of this band no. play live before right no not one of them and and i kind of felt I kind of felt a little bit of a disadvantage here because you had the the reference point, but yeah, I can't I can't wait to see them. It's going to be fantastic, and to 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 perhaps get to see them and say hi real quick would be phenomenal. Yeah, it'll be great, you know. And so yes, I did. I was very fortunate to see Pink Floyd live on the Division Bell tour mm-hmm. in Tampa, Tampa Stadium, the big sombrero before they turned it into a pirate ship or whatever they have now for Tom Brady, and that was really special. And I should have dropped out of school for a month and just toured around with them, you know, in retrospect. <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, and later in the 90s, they'll do it again, and, and that didn't happen. Right. Um, but but here's an interesting fact for you. Talk about, Gary's talking about doing your research. We came very close to seeing Guy play in 1993 and didn't know it. Oh, right. Because. Three, okay, yeah, go We on. had tickets to see David Coverdale and Jimmy Page in okay. the Orlando Arena. They uh-huh. canceled the European tour. They canceled the North American tour because mm-hmm. they, they just weren't selling. Grunge was kind of killing all the classic rock. and They could have done theaters, but I don't think Coverdale wanted to do that. 
they did eventually do a tour of Japan where they not only did obviously covered El Page stuff, but they did some White Snake stuff. Um, they did some Zeppelin stuff. Mm -hmm. And their bass player was one guy, Pratt. Interesting. Now, he wasn't on the album, but he right. was on the tour. He was supposed to come to North America with them. That would have been the first time we'd ever seen Guy Pratt. And that would have been that would have been great for that. That would have been great for a lot of reasons. I'm really I'm really sad that they they canceled that tour because I was really looking forward to that. And uh, it, it just goes to prove how somebody like Guy, when you get to be, and we talk about Tony Franklin a lot on this on this program too. Mm -hmm. When you get to when you get to be of that ilk, like your phone doesn't stop ringing. I mean, everybody right. everybody wants everybody wants the best, and you get into that rarefied air. So yeah, it, it didn't. You saying that I didn't know that to, on the Coverdale deal, but I have no problem believing that at all. That he would have been one of the first people they would have called. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, he he played with Madonna and Michael Jackson before mm -hmm. he was in Pink Floyd. You know, we reviewed The Queen Is Dead by the Smiths late last year. Mm -hmm. He when Andy Rourke uh, had drug possession issues and couldn't do the North American tour. Guess who played bass on that tour? You know, and I know for I know for Michael Jackson, he or he, I don't know if it was him or who musical director, whoever it was, was insane about getting the top of the top musicians to play with him. On of stage. course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to get one B; you get one right, Correct. number one. That's correct, Mundo. The yeah. only person you need. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really cool, you know, and it's. It's nice of them to do this. You know, I mean, I know they're out promoting the tour and they've been doing this for decades, so they're used to it. Not to mention, you know, from their show, they don't have a hard time talking to people. Correct. But to make time for, for us and for our fellow Pantheon podcasters, I think it's pretty cool of them to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like the fact that they weren't they weren't super focused on the what the you know, the the four talking points or whatever they have you know, about the show. They, they were, they were kind of loose. They were, they could talk about other things. I, I really appreciated that because not that we've done a ton of these interviews, but you know, the ones that are like, okay, no, A, B, C, D, and then I got to go. Okay. You know, we'll do it any way you want, but to have more of a conversation, I mean, we could have talked to those guys for a long time. Forever. You know, and, and yeah. even in that short period of time, they did get pretty personal. I mean, he's talking about singing Rick Wright's parts, man. How could that not tired stomach up in knots you know what i mean and well and and then it goes i think about what it what it, what is it like to be a true professional musician how do you do i mean i was getting choked up i don't have any connection to any of these people and i'm I like know. wow what and to stand there and to do your job to belt that song out when you know there's so much riding on that Ooh, and man, to play the bass at the song. same time you know because there are certain songs that i can't even sing by myself in the car because i get choked up doing it and there's nobody yeah. there watching me, right. right? You know, right. if I want to cry, I can in the living room, <laughs> you know, but I, I, you know, but I, I can't spit it out. Not only you have to spit it out, you have to do it in key. You have to do it in the right time. You have to say the lyrics right. And you have to continue to play your instrument while thousands of people watch you. It's got to be so emotional. And it's, it's, it's very sad that Rick is, is no longer with us. He, he just seemed like a real gentleman to me and the just... The, the coolest, just the most chill human, the, the one who didn't carry a whole lot of beefs with him, whereas some of the other guys might still hold some of that stuff. But, and you got to have that guy. You got to have the guy that can cool everybody out because you're right. I mean, the, the, the legendary stories of the people in the band who got mad at each other, you need that guy to just say, okay, listen, 
you're mad, you're mad, but we got to we got keep marching toward the same direction. Everybody needs to cool out. That can't be underappreciated or underestimated in a band like that. And I think you're right. He was that person. And yes, it is sad that that he was um he's no longer with us. I'm really glad talking about the delicate sound of thunder that even though and and momentary lapse even though he wasn't an official member back then, he was included on that because you can go back and watch him play with the band. And that's great. That's right. And I mean, I think that was legal stuff mm-hmm. to be honest with you, you know, uh, and, and he was welcome back in on, on division belt, you know, but the thing is, I, I don't know how much that really mattered to him. I, I, I'm sure, you know, he would have liked to have been a full share member of the band he helped found, but the fact of the matter is when Dave, when they kind of dissolved Pink Floyd and that David was touring in the 2000s with Guy, Rick was with him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to me, because, you know, like, and I've got some of those, right? I mean, this is David Gilmore live in Gdansk, uh, where I think, you know, they may have also had some, some orchestra with him or whatever. To me, that's basically Pink Floyd. I mean, no offense to Nick, it's not, Nick's not there. But if you took the drummer they had out and put Nick in, with Rick on stage, with David, and with Guy, suddenly that's Pink Floyd. You, right, correct. But but the the cool part about that story or that analogy is that if it's it's David Gilmore, right? Mm-hmm. That's who you're showing up to see. And the fact that he wanted Rick there yeah. shows that they were friends, that they enjoyed each other's company, and that he he valued his musicianship in addition to all that other stuff. Because like I said, I mean, he didn't. It wasn't a Pink Floyd show. There was no. There was no legal or any other reason to have him there other than i like you i like the way that you play you will add to this performance and and rick was it like too proud like no if you're not making if we're not doing the pink floyd thing or it's not david gilmore with rick right you know it's yeah no he, he's like yeah let's go out and play these songs that i help write you know that i play well you know mm-hmm. and uh and with guy you know uh so uh, yeah it's uh, that was one of the that's one of the ones i really regret missing I mean, I know you regret not seeing Pink Floyd, but I had a, I was trying to work out a way to go see David Gilmore in Chicago in, I think, 2007-ish. Mm-hmm. And, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And I figured, well, I'll get another shot at that. And I'm, I guess that's still a possibility, but I'm not going to see him with Rick. And that's, that's too bad because that man uh, was special. Yeah. And I guess that just goes to prove there don't ever count on there being a next time. If you've got to, if you got a shot, take it because you never know. That's right. That's right. And that's why we're going to Indianapolis on Friday, October 14th to see these. I can't wait. I cannot. I mean, I was excited before, but now I'm over the moon excited about this. I can't, I just can't wait. I can't wait to do this. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And yeah, I mean, I know Guy kind of gave you a little pushback. He's like, no, don't tell people not to come because they won't know it. But I mean, what you're basically saying is you're honoring music that is underserved on American rock radio. That's what they're doing, right? Because right. you and I grew right. up on, on classic rock radio, and we've heard Dark Side of the Moon 10,000 times. And we've heard right. Wish You Were Here 5,000 times. And we've heard The Wall Inside and Out. But we hadn't heard, I'd never heard Vegetable Man until I saw them play it live. To be perfectly and, and you, honest with you, and you never, and you never would, you never would, and 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 if if they took that the wrong way, I I apologize because that's not the way that I meant it at all. What I was saying was that you you get to you clear out all of the the AOR stuff that people you know that the casual fan I guess 
would be familiar with. So you, what you're getting to see is basically like a treasure box full of stuff that has not been played. Mm-hmm. Certainly we've never heard it before. And, and if you are a fan of the band, you are going to love this because this is, this is the beginning, really. This is what dark side of the moon. This is what the wall, this is where it came from. Right. The, the, the beginning of this. And so to get an opportunity to see that by and played by people who are really enthusiastic about it, is is going to be is going to be fantastic. And guy made a point. Said, "Look, when I was in Pink Floyd with David, I only played two of these songs before, and I, I know one was one of these days, mm-hmm. which they opened with in Europe, which was or in in UK, which is fantastic. Which I know because that was on Delicate Sound of Thunder. And I think Careful with That Axe, Eugene, may have been the other one that that they played with Pink Floyd on that tour." Now wait a minute, wait a minute. What was the what was the one that was not on? It was one of those ones. Was one of these days not on? Oh, uh, I can't remember which of the track was. Now that was on the VHS, but wasn't on the record. I'd have to go that back. That was and on look. the record. But I, I don't know. I, it, the two of them get combined in my head because they're they're synonymous with each other. But yeah, I mean that's a great track. I can't I can't wait to hear it. All right, so let's run through it one more time. Mm-hmm. Go get your tickets. You can go to Nick Mason Saucer Full of Secrets. Go to their website. Go to Facebook or wherever to get your tickets for these shows. You can also go to PantheonPodcast.com backslash Nick Mason and sign up for a very special VIP experience, which includes two front row seats and lots of special little goodies, not to mention the chance to be on a Pantheon podcast like Ugly American Werewolf in London. Yes, please get your tickets. We'd love to see you there. We'd love to have you on the show. I, I can't wait. This is this is over the top, and I'm, I'm just glad we get to be a part of this. Yeah, really special for us as huge Pink Floyd fans. I guess we've also done the Momentary Lapse of Reason album at some point. I can't. That was earlier this spring. I can't remember mm-hmm. which number show that was. But everyone can review Dark Side of the Moon, right? Anybody can review The Wall. Right. Momentary Lapse of Reason and Delicate Sound of Thunder were special to us because that was those were our Pink Floyd albums. They, they were our parents' Pink Floyd albums, not our older siblings or cousins or the kids on the bus. Like, you got to listen to animals, man. Don't listen to Momentary. <laughs> no, we love it. Okay, mm-hmm. it was special to us. It was on MTV, and and it really was. It really was the gateway to working the catalog backwards and getting to know everything else because you had that. You had that introduction. That's right. That's right. And now we're going to see. And it's authentic, right? I mean, just like seeing Steve Hackett do Foxtrot at 50 or seconds out in its entirety is special because Genesis A has barely toured the last 30 years. And B, Mm -hmm. when they do tour, they don't do much of that stuff. They've got to do their 80s hits. Peter Gabriel really only does Peter Gabriel solo stuff. Right tours. So you want authentic Genesis played by a member who made it? You got to go see Steve Hackett. And if you want to see, because... Pink Floyd, like Guy said, only did a two of those songs while he was in the band. Right. David Gilmore and Roger don't do that stuff. They do their solo stuff and the big 70s songs, right? So to see an authentic member of Pink Floyd who created this music in the first place, this is your ticket. This is the only way you could do it. I know there's a lot of tribute bands out there, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But you want to see, if you want authenticity, Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets is the real deal. Right. Yeah. And and just played by people who are who are fans, who have a reverence for it. I mean, obviously, Guy has a has a very personal connection to the band, the original band mm-hmm. um, to see that. Yeah, you're, you're not going to get this anywhere else. 
Uh, and the other thing too is to see it in more of an up close and intimate venue is going to be awesome too. Right. You're not in a football stadium or a basketball right. arena, you know, you're in a, and you're going to be in a nice place. So. Or Hyde Park. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So really looking forward to it. Absolutely. That wraps up episode number 96 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock podcast. A very, very special one for both me, the Wolf, Mac B, and my partner in crime, Action Jackson. Finally got to get the rock on tours themselves. Mr. Guy Pratt and Mr. Gary Kemp on the show. Of course, they are the battery of lead singers, bass and guitar player, lead guitar player in Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets, which if you haven't figured out yet... We are big fans of and are sponsors of their tour. So whatever you do, folks, you've got to see them on this U.S. tour. They are often underway. The day we interviewed them was the morning of their first show in Boston. And from what I've seen, it's been going great. I'm just telling you, if you don't believe me, which you should, and listen to episode 75 where I review them from the stage practically in Royal Albert Hall, go out and buy... They're live at the Roundhouse DVD CD package. You know, it's not that expensive. It's a really nice package, very well designed, lots of cool artwork, plenty of good stuff in there. Check it out. I mean, that's still most of their show. They talked about now they've added in Echoes. They've added in Candy and a Current Bun. But check that out. And if that's for you, then go and get your tickets. You can get them on Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets, which I think is thesaucerfullofsecrets.com, and the Indianapolis show, which we are going to be a part of. You can go to Ticketmaster for that. You can't go to Ticketmaster for all the shows. And I know some people have problems with Ticketmaster. I don't blame you. But having said that, Ticketmaster is selling shows to Close Hall, which is on Butler University campus, for Friday, October 14th. And that's where we're going to be. So not only can you see Gary and Guy, see Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets, but you can come meet us and then possibly get on to the show. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to understand how you got to know Pink Floyd, why you love them, why you might like our show. It would be awesome to see you there. So I implore you, go out and get that stuff right now. And if you want to win front row or a VIP package to this show, go to pantheonpodcast.com backslash Nick Mason and you can enter to win serious upgrade and a lot of fun, the VIP package from Pantheon. So thanks to Pantheon and to Christian Swain for helping us get Guy and Gary on the show. Thanks to Guy and Gary. Great guys. Uh, you can just tell that they have a lot of fun out there on the road. They've been doing this a long time. They know how to deal with knuckleheads like us. And I think they'd rather spend time with us than some wonk journalist like, So you don't have Roger Waters. Is that a problem? <sighs> Get those people out of here, you know. Let's listen to the fans. And if rock radio doesn't get it, it's like, hey, this isn't money. Uh, this is another brick in the wall part two. Uh, if they don't get it, screw them, okay? This is authentic Pink Floyd. This is an amazing show. You want to go some back in history and see something really cool and see what all that money and time and wish you were here in animals, how did that become? You know, how did they get to that point? Go to this show. You'll see how they did it. You'll see where it all started, and it's authentic. It's a lot of fun. Of course, we have to thank our wonderful sponsors at rarevinyl.com for making this podcast possible. And you know that there are all sorts of great 
Pink Floyd and Pink Floyd related stuff, or maybe you want some rare Spando ballet stuff from Gary Kemp's career, go to rarevinyl.com, find something you like, and then use code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get 10% off every single one of your orders. So you want something special, maybe an original first edition Pink Floyd album, maybe you want a tour program from back in the day, maybe you want one of those hard-to-find European singles, go to rarevinyl.com or EIL.com, use code PODCAST, and you can save 10% off all of your orders. So, as usual, folks, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? You've got to let us know. You can email us, uglyamericanwerewolf at gmail.com. Follow us and DM us on Twitter. It's at ugly underscore werewolf at actionjacks72. We're also on YouTube. We're also on Instagram. We're trying to get better at social media, folks. But most importantly, go see Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets in America. Don't miss out on that. It's going to be hard to top that interview for us just because we've wanted to have those guys on for so very long. And with the 100th episode coming up, well, we might have liked to save that one for the 100th. But we're trying to promote their tour by the time our 100th comes out. That tour will be just about over. But we will have some pretty exciting guests coming up. Some of them you know, some of them you might not. But we're having a lot of fun here on The Wolf, talking rock and roll, hard rock, classic rock, prog rock, heavy metal, early MTV, everything that we love with some very special guests. So please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Apple. Good Pods is very good to us. Anywhere you do it. And if you think about it, hey, give us a positive review. It really just helps us find more rock and roll things like you out there. So can't even tell you what we're going to be doing next week. But know that we're excited about it, and we have a lot of fun stuff coming up on the show in the coming months. So, from me and Action Jackson to all you rock and rollers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.